Well, hello there and welcome to yet another episode of the Extraordinary Podcast. My name is Tobias Dahlberg. I am your host. I am also a brand and business strategist at Wonderink. Wonder is a strategic brand and design consultancy that I founded almost 10 years ago. And today we are 15 people sitting here in the Nordics, more specifically in Helsinki. This podcast series is about being extraordinary, so building extraordinary brands and businesses. I'm someone who believes in this idea that in order to have a successful business long term, you need to have a successful brand. And so with this podcast, my aim is to give you ideas and strategies and hopefully motivation to go back to your business, to your own brand, uh, to whatever you're doing and raise your standards and really you know, devote yourself to this idea that extraordinary is the way to success. The days of being average are over. I mean, there's so many companies out there struggling. I believe one of the main reasons for that is that they are too similar and people don't notice them and people don't even know that they exist. And you don't want to be one of those companies. And so given the background of the podcast, I could not think of someone more well-suited for the show than my guest today. He is someone who has one of the most successful podcasts about branding out there. It's called On Brand with Nick Westergaard. And that, of course, is the name of my guest. So Nick just wrote a great book called Brand Now, How to Stand Out in a Crowded, Distracted World. Besides being an author... Nick is also a consultant, he is a keynote speaker, and uh, he's also an educator. In other words, he teaches students about branding. So branding is his world, and more specifically within branding, he specialized in social media and content, so online branding, if you will. So I am really genuinely happy to have Nick on the show, and I believe that you will get lots of value out of this. So again, if you want to be a good student... Bring out that notebook and the pen and pause every now and then because Nick's got some really profound wisdom. So I hope you enjoy it. And again, I'm really happy and thankful if you leave any comments, any feedback or engage. So without further ado, here's today's podcast with Nick Westergaard. My guest today is a brand strategist, a speaker, author, and educator. He is the chief brand strategist at Brand Driven Digital, an agency that builds better brands online through social media and content marketing. Uh, welcome to the show, Nick. Hello, Tobias. I'm glad to be here. Great to have you. How uh, was your trip over to Finland? Uh, it was great. Uh, you know, I... I Always love a nice overnight flight where I can wear what I call dressy sweatpants on the plane and uh, and relax for a bit. So yeah. I've got five kids, so uh, the long flights are sometimes the the most time I ever get to myself. So <laughs> that's awesome. And you have a Danish name, so now that we are in the Nordics, I need to bring that up. And, uh, I d yes, I do. I am second generation American, um, and I. Uh, I 
every time I come over here and someone sees my name, I think they're a little let down when I open my mouth and start talking because I'm, I'm just a, a boring American. <laughs> so when I, uh, I've been listening to your uh, podcast on brand, and by the way, I, I, I really uh, recommend anyone out there to listen to it. It's a great podcast covering uh, branding, and I think in a very broad sense, and also when you cover brand, you cover business and a lot of other psychology related stuff so it's an excellent uh, podcast and so i i've been listening to that for a while and then of course for this interview i did some more research and i was digging deeper and i was so impressed with everything that you do uh i saw that you've been uh, writing articles for harvard business review and you've been you've been doing so many different things you do keynotes and you do consulting and you do education as well and so if that wasn't impressive enough at the last row of your bio it says that you have five kids and, and a wife yes and so that was really impressive and i thought my god this guy produces a lot well i think the secret in in all of that is that i'm really doing the same thing a lot of different ways it's branding and digital marketing that's what i teach uh, that is what i consult about that is what uh, I chat with folks on the podcast about. That's what I write about. So uh, it, it's it, they are many different tasks in there, but it's all really kind of focused on on those same themes. So the same core, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But how do you find the time though? Because consulting can be really time consuming, right? It, it can be. It yeah. can be. Well, and and you know it. I am the first to say that it might not be the smartest organization of things doing all of these. I'm, I'm sure that if, if I were to uh, meet with a business consultant about my own business, uh, they would tell me to quit a few things. But I enjoy doing a lot of them yeah. uh, or all these different things. So, um, you know, moving from consulting project to the classroom, uh, I think that those those tasks inform each other. Yeah. Um, and you just have to, to budget your time a little yeah. bit, too. Yeah. I don't do nearly as many things, but like uh, dividing my time between being an entrepreneur and uh, so doing consulting work, but also reading and thinking a lot. Uh, for me, it's just a great way to actually create more content and actually advance my own thinking, as they say, like to teach is the best way to learn, right? Absolutely. Do you find the same thing? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I think um, teaching a 16-week college course is a, a very rigorous um, content preparation. So mm. uh, I'd say that that makes uh, other big projects like writing a book um, much, much easier. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, if we t talk about branding a little bit, in, uh, I see that you're focused on, on social media and content marketing, which is a big part of branding. But branding is also bigger than that, right? Absolutely. Um, in my first book, Get Scrappy, I talked about digital marketing, social media, yeah. content, and how you can do more with less. And the very first chapter in all of that was making sure that you had what I called a brand behind the megaphone. Though the marketing megaphones changed, it's still important that you have a strong brand behind that powering yeah. everything that you do. And it was interesting because as I wrote that chapter, uh, it was about two to three times as long as the rest of the book. So that told me that I had um, maybe another book in there about, about this topic 
of of branding as well because you're absolutely right it is bigger than just marketing um and you know as you've listened to the podcast you know that i've had folks on uh talking about culture talking about employee issues and how that ladders up to the brand and um i i think that branding is not well served when it sits inside the marketing department alone when it feels like it's an initiative of marketing yeah. uh, as opposed to part of everything else that's um, that goes into the organization yeah I, I really I mean that's well put and I couldn't agree more I think that's uh, for me in my experience I think the biggest challenge is really to get the whole organization aligned behind the brand and I mean especially people outside the marketing department like in in uh, in my book there's sort of like different levels of, of I don't know brand adaptation like some companies just view marketing as communications and some of them think of marketing and sometimes that's even fairly sophisticated but then I think the highest level is when it's completely integrated. Well I I always joke that uh, marketing in all of its terms have a bit of a marketing problem because it is like you said it's they mean different things in different organizations there's different hierarchies Um, for the record I think that the brand is the biggest uh, of of all of those hierarchies because I think marketing is a a specific department a key activity in your business but I think uh, a key public facing attribute of your business is your brand mm. and so what was it that got you interested in brand and branding and working in both education and consulting and well I, I think that uh, you mentioned earlier um, you know, talking with guests occasionally on psychology. Uh, to me, branding is is best described. I, I call it this in in the show frequently, as you know, a convergence of art and science, and that's what my background is. I was a psychology major and a theater major, so it's kind of this blend of behavioral science and creative thinking. And I, I think that's ultimately what's behind most great brands. So I'm kind of fascinated by um, who great brands are and, and what they do. Yeah, perhaps that's one of the problems that so many of the people that are doing branding or practicing branding within marketing departments tend to have business degrees. And this was something actually that Tom Peters touched upon in your recent podcast if you can remember i i can remember that and and i remember that because i i believe he uh complimented me on on having a theater degree but he's got some great uh research that backs that up um in his new book uh the excellence dividend that uh talks about um you know people with with liberal arts degrees uh initially they don't make as much as um as as MBA graduates, uh, but uh, I forget what it is, 10, 20 years later, Mm. uh, they have advanced into leadership roles at a greater rate. Um, So I I think that, um, I I don't think there's a a degree in branding for a reason. I think that it's it's something that is, um, that it takes a lot of different ways of thinking to get at. Yeah, for sure. So... What is your view on um, how well are companies, in your opinion, adopting you know the full kind of science and art of branding at the moment? Uh, well, I think the the kind of add-on to that question is how are most doing it today because it is one of the most challenging times. That's um, the title of my new book is Brand Now, 
And the thesis is that though we have all of these wonderful digital tools that make spreading the word easier than ever before, mm. there's a 21% drop in people who say that they understand uh, brands. So uh, that, that could seem somewhat contradictory, but I think it gets back to uh, that we aren't as good at brand building as we need to be. Mm. And what do you think those uh, major areas that we need to get with are and maybe that's a good bridge to get into your book actually uh, i was gonna say out. well yeah. i i think you know w to build what i call a standout brand i think your brand needs to move from person to person to from community to community and to do that to create movement um you know you go to the dictionary or a very introductory physics class and you'll see that uh, dynamics are what you use to stimulate uh, movement or change in a process. And so I outline seven dynamics in the book. Uh, the first one is meaning. Standout brands have to stand for something. Two is structure. How we build brands is very different. We can't subscribe to the same checklists that we always used to. In fact, we turn some touch points up and we may turn others down. Uh, the third dynamic is story. Story is a powerful communication tool. It is powerful in communicating who you are, what you stand for, for transmitting that meaning behind your brand. The fourth dynamic is content. And that is the greatest tool for moving stories as well. And certainly in the digital age that we find ourselves in. Community is key. We talked a bit earlier about culture. Uh, I think when it comes to community, you have to engage everyone around your brand from the inside out. From employees to vendors, suppliers, partners, and your various levels of customers. The sixth dynamic is clarity. That is your transparency and simplicity. It's more important than ever to be authentic. There can't be any daylight between what you say and what you do in our connected digital world. You'll get found out. Mm -hmm. And simplicity, I'd say, is the other aspect of clarity that's key. And that is simply a reminder that more isn't always better. Sometimes more is just more. When we mm -hmm. look at how fewer people understand brands, I think it's because most of us think that to make something better, we have to add to it. So where can you add by subtracting? Mm. And then the seventh and final dynamic is experience. Brand experience is the sum total of all of your touch points. Mm. Sometimes that's very big things. Sometimes that's mm. very small things. But it's up to you to map those out and to make sure that you have a clear, consistent, and coherent brand experience. Wow, that sounded really comprehensive <laughs> and good. <laughs> that's and the good. whole book in, in 90 seconds. <laughs> That's great. I love the structure. It's, it's just simple. It, it actually adheres to your own principles in some way, I guess. Uh, can you think of, of brands that, that really uh, you know, live up to all these dynamics and make them work? There are many examples for, for all of the different dynamics. Uh, one of my favorite ones that I talk about a few different times in the book is Zappos. And they're a great example of meaning uh, because... Many times when you think, okay, what's your brand about? You say, oh, well, I'm, we're, we're a shoe company. 
if you're Zappos. And Zappos is really so much more than that. They are a service company. Uh, they are in the business of delivering happiness, mm. as uh, they note in, in much of their marketing communication. And speaking of that communication, you look at their structure. They aren't subscribing to the same checklists. You don't see Zappos TV commercials um, and some of those other traditional high-profile touch points, but their customer service, which is key to that meaning that they're trying to communicate, is second to none. That's why their customer service emails are amazing instead of just standard boilerplate. Mm. Awesome. Uh, is there a brand that um, you know outside the U.S. that that is doing well, or are, are most of these brands U.S.-based? Um, they're... Great brands are everywhere, but yeah. uh, here in the Nordics, uh, another example that I talk about is is IKEA, hmm. and um, talk about the science behind things. Uh, Dan Ariely at Duke actually did a study about people assembling their IKEA furniture, and found that we actually care more about it. It means more to us if we've made it. So I think it's not just cheap stylish furniture that they've found a way to organize uh, stacked up so a lot of it fits on the shelf and then you put it together yourself I think the magic comes in putting it together yourself that there is uh, an appeal to your head and heart that is uh, is documented scientifically uh, another good example of of IKEA in the brand now dynamics is that they engage uh, a circle of community that some um, often forget about. And, you know, it's easy to think about your employees, your culture, and why that's important. And obviously your best customers um, as, as, as another circle. But between that, you have what I call the forgotten middle circle, which is your vendors, partners. And IKEA makes sure that all of their vendors, partners, their shipping partners uh, are briefed on what they call the IKEA way so that, um, so that they're delivering a consistent brand experience as well. Hmm. And uh, let's say you are a small, let's say you're a B2B company, maybe in the service industry, like an agency or consultancy. How would you approach, uh, like, let's say you read the book and, and you get excited about these themes, what would you do next? Well, the handy thing about reading the book is that the first two-thirds of the book is about those seven dynamics that I just ran through. The last third is what I call the Brand Now Toolbox, and it has chapters for different types of business on how to apply them. So there's Brand Now for small business, Brand Now for B2B brands, uh, Brand Now for personal brands, uh, Brand Now for political brands, uh, and some other useful tools as well. Uh, it, it's interesting because small business in some ways is, is almost easier because the stigma isn't there that I think it is with B2B brands. Uh, they kind of love to throw their hands up in the air and and lament uh, how different it is for them. Yeah. But I think what's great about B2B brands is that it can be easier to stand out because you have a very specific type of customer. Mm. You know more about your customers uh, than a typical uh, B2C brand might. Yeah, because you meet with them and you get exactly. inside. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So one thing which I think 
is interesting when thinking about the dynamics. You talk about experience and meaning as two separate things. This is something that has been on my mind a lot since the sort of experience economy is here, and we all talk about experience and how that is important. But what always struck me is that I think it's more about the meaning that comes out of the experience, which is sort of the, the right. higher level. So I'm right. really happy to see that you bring that out as a separate dynamic. Well, and, uh, you know, I think you could maybe overthink the order of the dynamics. They made sense to me. But I do think meaning is the the most important building block. You have to mean something. Uh, now, experience is important and experience is hard, but I think you can create an interesting, engaging experience that might not communicate your meaning uh, in in the way that you want to. So yeah. uh, I think it's important that everything else that you do is consistent with that same meaning that you have in the hearts and minds of your customers. Right, yeah. And so if we move on a little bit into what you would say maybe story and content and community i guess like those yes. would be words that represent the social media and the content marketing that that you are actually here in the nordics to speak about or i guess you're speaking about these whole dynamics i am but but this is uh, an area that your company focuses on if i yeah, yeah yeah well i mean story is 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 key i think story is one of those things that uh, you hear tossed around in business circles but it is again it's that it's that continuing theme of the convergence of uh, arts and science. I mean, there's uh, everybody knows the art of storytelling, uh, but the science is fascinating. Um, Antonio Damasio, a neuroscientist, uh, talks about how stories are a key construct in organizing all of the stimuli that we're presented with in the world around us. Uh, it does amazing things to your brain if they... Uh, plug you into an fMRI machine. Uh, they can see uh, that Broca's area, Wernicke's area lights up the areas of your brain responsible for uh, speech, motor functions, basically the ways in which you would share stories. Um, a neurotransmitter called dopamine is released, which is basically like your brain's save button. So if you want someone to remember something, story is a very powerful tool. So I think sometimes folks that think about business in a more linear way might say that that story stuff is all a little fluffy, but it is a key tool for standing out and for your audience remembering what you say and sharing it with others. So if there was one thing that you could, uh, a message that you could convey to all the leadership teams of companies around the world, like what would that be? Uh, tell stories. That might sound overly simplistic, but I mean, even beyond uh, thinking about branding, um, I think that stories are so much more useful, even in personal communication. Mm. Uh, there was just a story uh, from Amazon about uh, Jeff Bezos not allowing PowerPoints uh, in management meetings anymore, but asking people to tell stories. Yeah. Um, and And I think that that is such good advice and it's it's such a great tool so really think about what story it is that you're telling as a brand as a business yeah and do you think this is the work of uh, the marketing department is this uh, a network like who should be doing the storytelling and where should where should the content 
really originate from? Well, it can come from any number of sources. Uh, obviously, we've talked. Uh, we can talk a little bit about community as well, because I think there are great stories there that you can mine. Uh, there's also internal stakeholders, folks that are working in other departments that might have interesting customer stories, product stories that they can share as well. So I think that's why it's important to engage all of those circles of community as well. Mm. If we build a little bit more on the content and the social media, because that's such a big thing right now, and I think that uh, at least most of the customers that I deal with, I think they feel that they should really be doing more, and somehow they're not doing as much as they'd like to. What do you think that is, and how do you think you can overcome that? Well, uh, that's the challenge with content, and that's what I talk about in the book, because we have, but it, it, this is, again, it's one of those potential traps that I'd, I'd, I'd warn listeners about is I think there's so much content. There's so many exciting new forms of content. And we all assume, like you just said, ah, that I'm not doing enough. Um, I don't know that you need to be producing every form of content out there. That's why I think some of those other dynamics that come before content are key. Meaning, structure, story, so that you can use some of these dynamics as a filter to lead you to the content that makes the most sense for your brand, for your audience, so you're not making more of what I call Me Too content. Mm. Uh, Doug Is that a poli political statement or was it just coincidence? What? <laughs> uh, oh, I, oh, just I, kidding. I, I, didn't, I did not think about that. I've... I've I, you, you, uh, you pointed that out to me. I, I've called it that for a while now, and I've never... I, I don't know why I haven't thought of it in conjunction with that movement, but that could mean something else these days. What do you think we, we were talking about? We were talking about the Tom Peters interview and, and uh, where people, you know, what, what people are studying and how that affects, uh, you know, the type of work that we do and the effect of, of branding. How do you think the whole social media and storytelling content creation culture that, uh, that, that some companies are struggling with is affecting organizations. Do you think they need to change? Do people need to? Do we need to have other types of people working for organizations, or is this something that, um, that well, people can continue I, doing? There's all sorts of ways to structure your team, and obviously, I think that diverse backgrounds is, are are key too. And uh, so, I think it it isn't always um, a, a traditional business types. I have to be careful. I teach in a college of business, so business <laughs> types have a very important role to play. But I think you need to make sure that you have other folks uh, with different backgrounds in there as well that bring different things to the table. Mm -hmm. uh, I talk uh, in, in the book about uh, kind of building a brand brain trust, uh, a group of trusted advisors uh, that's a mix of um, high up leaders, but also people that are working tactically with customers or with the product that bring in a unique perspective as well. Mm. Uh, like I said very early in our interview that branding is, um, uh, is not well served when it sits isolated in the marketing department. I think that the personnel speaks to that also. So making sure that um, you have other folks engaged in building the brand is key in building a standout brand, but it's also key in sustaining that brand if other people mm -hmm. are a part of it as well. 
if you think about big corporations and let's say people at the lower or mid level or or the customer you know front end read your book and they feel like oh i want to contribute i want to build this this big brand that i'm working for how should these big corporations in your opinion uh factor in this thing that you have sometimes thousands of employees that could help you but do you trust them and is it about training or how would you approach that so situation? in this scenario am i the lowly middle manager you're the ceo of a oh, gigantic corporation okay. uh, corporation and you want to of course well if i'm the leader yeah theoretically it's easier i say theoretically because you have the tools and you can tell people what to do that said it doesn't always happen because i i think to channel my inner tom peters i i think he would say that we have a, a bit of a, a crisis uh in leadership too in that you don't see many making bold moves you see more safe choices yeah but a leader could could uh, make the bold move of putting together a, a cross-functional team like we've been talking about and saying, let's go talk to customers. Um, I tell a story in the, the book uh, about an IT, an online IT community called Spiceworks. And they actually put together a, um, a, a road trip, basically, where they went around and visited customers and just had beers with them. And I love that story because I think, again, the safe choice, the traditional choice is we will carefully assemble a focus group and um, go from customer to customer and, and do that in that very traditional way. I think if it's more casual, you're able to unearth some interesting insights. Mm. Excellent. Uh, I can't uh, wait to read the book. Uh, this was... This was actually good to do an interview just uh, the day before that it comes out, at least uh, on Amazon in where I live. Uh, you can get it <laughs> tomorrow, so that's on May the 8th. We're recording on May 7th. Um, and finally, I'd like to ask about the on-brand podcast. What got you started with that, and, and uh, what has it given you? Perhaps even something that you didn't expect. Oh, yes. Well, um, I have hosted a podcast for five years. The first two years, I had... Uh, another show that was about productivity, back to, uh, to to your earlier point about trying to get things done and, and scheduling. Um, uh, but that one, uh, my podcast co-host and I uh, went separate directions. He was moving on with uh, another career. And uh, that podcast for me was a bit of an outlier because, like I said, it's easier because I'm doing the same thing a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. um, and it's all branding and marketing. That podcast was not. So then it occurred to me, okay, well, what can I do? And there's a lot of digital podcasts. There's a lot of marketing podcasts. I wanted one uh, about this this uh, this topic of brand because you can talk about many different things and mm. talk about that a lot of different ways. Uh, I've been doing this for three years. I I've spoken with uh, innovative brands like Adobe and Ben and Jerry's, McDonald's, uh, the Minnesota Vikings uh, sports team, uh, as well as folks like Tom Peters, Seth Godin. Uh, so a lot of my um, marketing heroes as well. So it, it, of course, brings me that. And since I work virtually, I don't have an office full of interesting people. So interviewing people on the podcast is that for me. And I'd say another thing that it gave me was as someone that teaches, 
as someone that speaks, as someone that writes books, I need research. I need case studies. I need stories to fuel uh, what I'm writing about, what I'm talking about, what I'm teaching about. And the podcast has become that. Uh, that's why uh, I both at the beginning of the book and at the end of the book, uh, thank uh, the podcast guests because uh, there are many things in the book uh, that came directly from those podcast conversations. That's that's great. So it's research uh, yeah. in essence. Yeah. yeah. And learning, yeah. And uh, so if companies want to leverage the power of podcasting, it seems to be on, on such a high right now, uh, what do you think they should do? Like, let's say if your your industry or you think your your industry or market is somewhat boring, how do you make it interesting? How can normal companies have interesting podcasts, and should they? Um, well, I mean, I'd say on the boring question, uh, I would put a big red asterisk next to anything that anybody says is boring, because I bet there's something interesting that you could make out of it, even if it's simply making fun of the fact that it's a little bit boring. Uh, you see innovative brands like, like Cisco doing this kind of thing, uh, which, which I talk about in the book. Um, uh, but podcasting specifically, I think, is a powerful medium. Uh, and I think you have a lot of B2B decision makers uh, fitting that podcast listener um, uh, demographics. So I think that that is... Uh, certainly a powerful way to appeal to some very busy people who are listening on commutes uh, and you're providing practical advice and insight. And you're also doing so in a very up-close and personal way. When someone has your voice piped into their ears, uh, that is a very powerful, very personal connection. Mm. Uh, so think about it. Think about uh, what people, your customers might want to hear from. Is that an interview show? Is that you and your brand sharing your expertise? There's a lot of different formats. Not everything um, you know, is a 30-minute interview show. You might be able to find a way to go through the news of the day in seven minutes mm. or something. That is excellent advice. And uh, finally, I want to ask, what does the future hold for Nick Westergaard? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you well, with the book coming out, it, it holds a whole lot of um, crisscrossing the globe and talking about brand now to folks. So uh, there's a word of, word of advice out there. Don't, don't write about anything that you don't want to talk about for a long time. <laughs> uh, but luckily, branding is something that I find uh, endlessly fascinating. So I am eager to do that here, there, and everywhere. Well, that's... That's very nice to hear. I feel exactly the same way. And I have to say, this has been extra nice for me because it's very rare that I get to talk to someone else that is a brand strategist or call themselves a brand strategist. And it means that I don't have to explain what I do. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, we, we could have a whole conversation about that. I, I don't, I have no clue what my elevator pitch is, you know, is it, uh, I help people build brands and then people don't really know what brands are or they have very limited ideas of what they are. So yeah. it's, uh, it, it is good to talk to your own people. So it it's is. been great being here. So thank you so much, Nick, and uh, good luck with the book. And I really, uh, uh, one, one more final thing. How can people engage with you? Ah, nickwestergaard.com. And that's the Danish Westergaard with two A's. <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye.